Ladies and gentlemen, this show is brought to you exclusively by the Reality Check Podcast Network. Fascinated by the world of strange, or perhaps like to gather in those dimly lit corners and converse with those individuals who may not walk to the beat of this world's drum, then step across the threshold that leads to the room under the stairs. Hey, everybody. This is Stan Wengland, one of your co-hosts, along with Paul James Caden in The People Under the Stairs. Thanks for joining us today uh, for a wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful show today. This will be a part three, Angels, Aliens, and UFOs. And this uh, should be the last installment. It has to be the last installment, as interesting as it is, of Paul's experiences uh, starting in the 1980s with uh, a, a being from a different dimension, different world, different uh, you know, plane of reference than you or I would be uh, ordinarily familiar with. And that is the famous Sarah. And uh, on the first two shows... Paul related uh, a lot of his experiences in the 1980s, and then he took us up into the uh, 90s, I think, um, uh, you know, a little bit be, uh, beyond, and he's going to fill us in for the rest of that today, and uh, he's going to conclude uh, this story about his experience with angels, aliens, and UFOs. So, Paul, are you there? I'm here, man. Yeah, it sounds like you're breathing heavily or moving <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the the headset. Sometimes, if I move a certain way, it's a little bit of a, a crackly uh, sound that it'll make. It could be. It could be a spirit. It could be. Uh, it could be that you're being monitored. But welcome to the show uh, again. We're in different parts of uh, New York here as we're doing the show. We're not together under the stairs tonight. But Paul, why don't you take us up to speed where we ended at uh, part uh, two? Um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the year and then uh, take us forward. Maybe you just want to give the viewers if they're coming in 
for the uh, this installment for the first time. Maybe just a one minute overview of what the what this trilogy of uh, of uh, programs is about. Yeah, this is about an experience that I had. It started in uh, November fifteenth, nineteen seventy nine, when uh, uh, you know I was kind of a depressed kid. I had a lot of anxiety, and um, you know, one night, lo and behold, something came out of the sky, and there was this girl. I was about twelve years old, and she looked to be about my age, uh, with this silver jumpsuit, wings on her back like an angel, and. Uh, you know, you have to go back and listen to the other parts, I suppose. But uh, I began mm -hmm. uh, with some trepidation, uh, communication with this being. And um, it reoccurred throughout my life. It, it happened in 79. It happened very briefly in, um, in 83. Then again in 92. And uh, we left off where I was given this offer to go to this other dimension. You know, Crystal City, beyond the the uh, silver bridge, the silver tunnel that our scientists cannot see with their instruments. And uh, I said no. And uh, 1992, <clears throat> excuse me, that went up until about April, where just kind of talking, hanging out, uh, you know, trying to get some intel on this being. Um, and then it, it finally ended, uh, probably about mid April. And, uh, I didn't see her again until 2003. Now, the interesting thing about it was it started in 2002. It was my, uh, my first wife and I, we went to Lake George and I remember being up there and I say in the book, Whenever uh, Sarah is about to make an appearance, I sometimes get this feeling like someone's knocking on the door of my consciousness or I feel like, almost like feel her presence. And that was the year that the, I really kind of started, you know, I was saying in the last show that, gee, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Sarah. You know, she's like an old friend. And then I'm questioning myself, like, you know, what am I thinking? Is she even real? What, you know, I don't know. When, you know, I don't know how to categorize this, you know, in my mm -hmm. life as me being a kook or whatever. So I decided that year that I was going to go on the quest to try to find out what she was, where she was from, if she was even real. And the funny thing about it is once we got back home from vacation, I, I planned on starting this uh, search, but something always went awry and got me off track. Mm -hmm. And this spilled over right into the summer of 2003, where, you know, I was really determined, you know, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to find this out because this is something that, you know, I think about a lot in my life. I question it. I think about it. And uh, it, it started, uh, I was about to start this search in, I think it was June 2003. And I ended up coming down with this nasty summer cold. And uh, of course, things got delayed. And it was one of those things that went on for over two weeks. 
And by the time I was feeling better, you know, we decided, well, you know, I want to go to the bookstore. So we drove up to Poughkeepsie to the Barnes and Noble. And uh, I was still feeling a little under the weather. I was kind of weak because I had this thing for so long. And uh, we went into the store and I remember going upstairs where the, the metaphysical section was. And there was a certain author I was looking for. He was an old metaphysician by the name of Emmett Fox. And I went up to the little kiosk. I didn't know where these books would be. And um, this girl comes around the corner. She's, you know, young. She's kind of short, long black hair, glasses. And I notice on her name tag, uh, her name is Sarah, S-A-R-A. And she's like, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking... Uh, I'm looking for this one author, you know, I don't know where you, if he, he's even here, if he's in print at a print, but yeah, you, know, you know, I just got over this kind of summer cold. So uh, I don't want to go walking around the store. I want to conserve energy and just do it the, the lazy man way here. Mm -hmm. So she looks, she looks it up. She walked long story short. She walks me over to, you know, where it is. Oh, here they are, you know, and she's standing there while I'm looking through the books and, you know, I finally pick out the ones I want. And she's like, you know, are you feeling okay? Do you, you know, would you like me to carry the books down to the counter for you? You know, uh, you know, would you like to me to, to, to walk with you out to your car? And I was like, no, that's, that's fine. I'm not that, you know, incapacitated, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, the punchline of the story being, you know, we, we went back to the store a couple of weeks later and I'm, I'm feeling much better. I go upstairs and, you know, there's an old, older lady there and I'm, I'm thinking how nice this girl was. And uh, I walk up to her and I was like, excuse me, do, do you know if, uh, if Sarah is working this weekend? And she, and she, the woman looks at me and she goes, who? I said, Sarah, kind of short girl, black hair, glasses. She's like, Sarah, she's like, there's no Sarah that works here. She's like, in fact, I don't know if we've ever had a Sarah that worked here. And I said, no, I, I just seen her a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, nah, you know, you must have been mistaken because. You know, I've been here for, you know, like uh, seven, eight years working for Barnes and Noble. And uh, there's there's nobody on staff with that name or that description. So that was kind of peculiar. And uh, it, it started after that. Everywhere I went, there were songs playing. Remember the uh, the Hall and Oates song, Sarah, mm -hmm. Sarah. Mm -hmm. Every song with, you know, Sarah and everywhere. And, and I'm just feeling like this buildup, like, all right, there's, there's a bubble building. I feel like it's going to pop, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know maybe somebody's kind of like, uh, you know, or maybe it's my own insane mind, you know, to really get on the search. So uh, it, it started around August for, for whatever reason, you know, being derailed, thinking about, about it. Uh, I, I finally started seeking out the whole Sarah thing. And I knew, knew no other way to do this except through paranormal and metaphysical means uh setting up you know certain equipment trying to get evps uh using a pendulum dowsing you know all these you know angel oracle cards anything i could find to try to uh you know get some kind of uh spirit or being communication whatever she was mm -hmm. you know I, I would go out you know because i was into ufology at that time I would, uh, I would watch the skies. I would, you know, again, have my EVP, my little pocket recorder and, uh, nothing, you know, n nothing ever happened. And, and so one day, you know, I'm, I'm setting up to get some EVPs and 
uh, you know, lo and behold, you know, poof, you know, there she is in my little office building that I had downstairs. And uh, it, it was quite startling because she looks very different. Uh, she has on kind of long white robe, you know, with the, uh, you know, the the red kind of sash over it and the, the, the golden belt around her waist. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, very uh, almost like, you know, her hair and her garments are blowing in this wind that I'm not feeling. And, uh, you know, there she is. And uh, she goes on to say at that time, you know, finally, some answers that this being is my guardian angel. She's been with me since I was born. And she came to me the way that she did when, I, you know, in 79, because she wanted to present herself in, you know, not in her true form, you know, but in a form that I would be more less intimidated by, you know, a girl about my age, you know, instead of coming as a grown woman or some angelic figure. That's what I was going to ask you. Did she had, did Sarah age through this process? Did her physical, uh, could you tell this was Sarah? Did it look like Sarah, an older version of her? It did. At, at, at this point, it, it looked like uh, maybe someone, you know, 30, 35, you know, but you could tell it was her, you know. Mm. Um, and uh, long story short, you know, to, to cut to the chase, uh, I finally asked the question. I said, you know, I don't know if any of this is real. Am I just unlocking some uh, compartment in my mind, you know, with, you know, uh, trying to catch these EVPs and, and using pendulums and dowsing and all this. Uh, and I'm hallucinating right now. How do I know you're not just, you know, uh, a delusion of my mind? Mm -hmm. I said, you know, if, if any of this is real, I want proof. And, you know, I was just pretty much told at that time, well, you know, you, you have to have faith, and, and certainly it is up to God whether uh, there are proofs that are given, you know, in any concrete way. Um, but then they started coming in some very, uh, very interesting ways, just to note uh, a few. I was uh, talking uh, with Sarah, and this is when I started writing the book, because, you know, she said she wanted me to start writing this down, you know, compiling this experience because, you know, there, there would be other people that, that would read this, you know, you know, not a ton, uh, but there would be people that would read it and it would bring hope to their life and healing. And, uh, you know, the, the book has done that, you know, the people that have read it said that it really resonated with them and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, different levels. And, uh, so I'm talking to her one night and I said, you know, I'd really like to see, uh, you know, this whole UFO phenomenon thing again. You know, I remember that seeing this thing at various times. And, uh, you know, her reply to this is, well, you know, we'll, you know, we will, we will see about this. Mm -hmm. So that, that night, my, uh, my wife, then she, she worked kind of late. It was, uh, it was the fall and she got home probably at about six, six thirty. And there was like a huge full moon, you know, out. And for whatever reason, I mean, there was a cemetery that, you know, the same cemetery that I used to go meet Sarah in, in, in 92. Mm -hmm. 
uh, for some reason, all of us went there, me, my friends. I mean, it, it, I used to call it my, uh, my living room in the graveyard. I used to go there and write poetry and, you know, whatever. And, um, so she's like, you know, I, you know, I, I want to go to the graveyard tonight and look at the moon through the binoculars. It's it's really big. It's such a clear night. I was like, all right. So I, I get the binoculars. We drive out there, you know, after a quick dinner. And uh, oddly, you know, speaking of lights in the sky, I mean, there's not a cloud in the sky that night, just stars and the moon, you know, not even a, a blob of a cloud. And I see my wife turn around. She's looking at this embankment in front of us and she goes what the hell is that and i was like what and she's like that what is that and i'm looking at the embankment because i'm thinking she's looking at something in front of us on the ground mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't, I don't see anything where on, on the bank where and she's like no there in the sky and i happen to look up and coming over the horizon is i don't know if it was one single craft or many in a formation, but they were kind of uh, long and uh, cylindrical shaped. And they, they were all lit up white and they were in a V formation, slowly coming over the horizon. They come over the graveyard right above us where we're standing, where this uh, old sycamore tree was, where, you know, I've had many, Sarah experience and experiences in the past in 1992, mm-hmm. they get right over that tree. They stop midair and blink out. Now, you know, she's looking at it going, what is that? And I was like, you know, I have no idea. Now, you know, what do you mean by point. blink out? What does that mean? I'm, I'm, I'm lost on that. Just blinked out and disappeared. Like somebody. Oh, okay. Off. Okay. Like they, they, that, they, that's they what I just, okay. I've got just, no longer there just boom they were gone went over the tree sudden stop midair they just stop you know one second two second and then like somebody hit the light switch they were gone boom so you know that was what that was odd to me because i was just talking previously about you know seeing you know uh phenomenon in the sky you know uh, of course, I ask uh, sarah later when i i see her you know was that uh, yes you know i you know, this was something that uh, was sent that other some other someone else would see. You know, rather than myself, mm-hmm. uh, my ex-wife had had saw it first. Uh, another time, I was standing uh, in the dining room with my mother because at that time, when I got married the first time, we were going to move up to Lake George, New York, around the Saratoga or Lake Luzerne area. If anyone knows where that is. And uh, my mother had, you know, some heart issues, you know, some health issues. And she wanted us to stay there because she was not a happy camper with my father, you know. And Mm -hmm. he didn't really take that great care of her if she needed an ambulance or, you know, she would have a racing heart, you know, palpitations. And she's like, oh, if you guys leave, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, you know, we can. You know, so I became the guy living in, in in his parents' basement. We spent like four grand that we were going to use to move, putting in a concrete floor, putting in rooms, and uh, you know that's where we were for at least the uh, the time being. Mm-hmm. So I'm upstairs talking to my mother. You know, one uh, one afternoon, and uh, it was just me and her. I don't know where uh, you know my father was, and suddenly this 
out of nowhere, this celestial music starts playing like just out of thin air. And it would be just like you would imagine, like the choir of angels is kind of that music, the, oh, you know, and she was like, what is that? You know, where is that coming from? I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, do you have the TV on in the back room? She said, no, you know, so we looked around the house. We looked outside. There was nothing outside. It was just in the house. You know, the whole time we're looking, here's this music playing. And then suddenly it just stops. And, uh, you know, again, yes, this was a sign to show that this is real. And another one, I was with uh, a friend of mine. Uh, his name was Mike, and, and we, were, we were going, uh, you know, somewhere. And suddenly he, he was in the, the passenger side of the car. I, I think we were going to the, the music store. Mm -hmm. And I can't smell, but, you know, he can. And he's sitting there and he goes, man. He goes, all of a sudden, this feels like the inside of your car smells like roses. He goes, it's really strong. And then suddenly, right on the passenger side of the car, it sounded like it was coming down mm -hmm. from the floor by his feet. You hear that music just moment for a few seconds. It was like, oh, and he's like, what the hell? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so again, uh, you know, this this was a sign to, to show that uh, this this is uh, real. Now, Paul, let me ask you a question here that I'm sure some of the all of the viewers, uh, unless they've had an experience like this, would ask. Now, when your ex-wife saw this, like when you saw she saw the UFOs or your friend or somebody would be in the car or in the house and you'd have this angelic music coming out of nowhere or smells of roses and angelic music. Did weren't people amazed by this? Weren't people shocked by this? Weren't like with the UFOs? Didn't somebody say, Jesus, let's. Let's call the police. Let's call the Air Force. What's 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 going on here? What Did everybody take this just so uh, matter of factly, or what was the reaction of other people? You know, other than yourself. All right. Well, they they were definitely shocked. And around about this time, I was I was just starting to talk about this uh, experience a little bit with people because I was, you know, working on the book, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, some people, uh, you know, when these things would happen, of, of course, people were shocked. You know, it was like, what the hell? You know, and it was, mm -hmm. you know, very shocking, you know, to, to, to hear and to see some of these things. Um, but nobody, you know, n nobody wanted to uh, call, you know, police or Air Force or, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it it just was what it was. I suppose it it wasn't taken, uh, you know, matter of factly. Mm -hmm. Again, people and some people were skeptical. You know, oh, I, I don't know. You know, my friend Mike was one of them. You know, I don't know if that would be, you know, what it would be. You know, that you know, part of your experience. I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, so did anybody was, did anybody think you were playing a trick on them or uh, or pranking them or you know had had uh, developed some kind of elaborate ruse or something like that? No, no one at the time, uh, you know, uh, you know, said anything about that because I think that they know mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, at least, you know, knowing me, if I'm telling the truth and I'm saying that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't do anything like that. And mm -hmm. certainly how would I, how would, how would I pull off the lights in the sky? That would be a pretty, uh, a pretty damn good trick, you know, <laughs> for somebody like sure. me, mm -hmm. you know, that would be some, uh, special effects.
So what happened next, Paul? So even it's it's funny. Uh, again, I was standing in the living uh, the dining room with my mother one night. She's getting ready to go to bed. I'm getting ready to go downstairs. And uh, and we're talking, you know, about this whole uh, angel phenomenon. And uh, you know, she was she was very cautious. You know, I mean, she she didn't. You know, at, at that point, I don't know whether she believed it, didn't believe it, because she was saying, you know, be careful with this sort of thing. Uh, you know, you don't know what it might be, or, you know, you know, she sounded like me, even if it is, you know, um, you know, real or, or something else. And, uh, when she's talking to me, something came, the hair on her head, like somebody took her hair and picked it straight up. Mm -hmm. She had like, you know, this, this permed hair and it was like, you know, something, an invisible hand grabbed the, uh, the hair on the top of her head and pulled it straight up and i remember her, she looked at me and her eyes were big and she's like oh my god what's got my hair and i was like it's standing straight up on your head but i don't see anything and then, you know it, it drops down and then does it again mm -hmm. and uh you know and that's when she was like man you know just you know if that was she used to say if that was your friend you know you, you better be careful you better you better you better make sure it's a good spirit and not a bad one you know uh, bringing something around you you know mm -hmm. but um the uh, the most interesting one, because, it, it, you know, it, even with all this and, uh, you know, you're you're kind of skeptical, but part of my research and, and, and this was actually. This was actually in the beginning, uh, you know, when just a couple of things, uh, you know, had happened, I wanted to talk to a psychologist, someone in your field. Mm -hmm. So I went seeking someone out who was in an arm and a leg, and I found someone. Her name was Dr. Deborah Rosenfeld in Goshen, New York. Hmm. And, uh, you know, she was uh, in a price, a price range that, uh, you know, I, I could afford to pay her cash. Mm -hmm. And I, I went to, uh, to see her and uh, sat down in her office. And she's like, so what, you know, what, what, what brings you here? And I said, well, my, my story is, uh, you know, an odd one. And I want to see if I'm uh, crazy, if I'm hallucinating, if I'm mentally projecting things to happen in my environment. But, you know, here's, mm -hmm. I, I, I tell her the story. And, uh, she said, okay, you know, she, she listens and, uh, she said, well, you know, you're telling me this story, you know, I'm listening to you. I'm watching your mannerisms, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking, you know, at your facial expressions." She said, you know, to me at the moment, you know, you don't like you don't seem like somebody who's having like a delusion or a breakdown. You know, you're not being erratic. Uh, you're 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 questioning it. And. uh you know, so and she came right out and said, you know, I, I I believe in, you know, she said, I'm a spiritual person. I believe, you know, sometimes things happen, but that's the thing to determine whether you're, uh, you know, you're actually having an experience or whether you're not. Mm -hmm. So we, we actually, we actually had three sessions where I went once I talked to her about it. We went again, you know, talked to her about it. 
Now, the second time I went to her, you know, of course, I told her, you know, the, the first time that, you know, I'm having that experience now, you know, as we speak, you mm-hmm. know, uh, having uh, encounters with this being. So the second time I, I went to her and I had told her, you know, that like I was saying in the last show, that there were times this being tells me things that uh, I have no knowledge of knowing that mm-hmm. happened in the future. One of them again was, uh, you know, with my mother, she was having her palpitations in the middle of the night. And, um, she always wanted me upstairs if she was having the, the, the racing heart, because my father was like, you know, useless and he just made her nervous. Mm-hmm. So I went up, it was like, you know, two in the morning. And, uh, the doctor said, if it lasted more than two hours, go to the ER. But if it stops within two hours, you know, uh, don't worry about it. So we're up there for about an hour. Her heart's racing and it's kind of skipping, you know, erratically. And, uh, you know, it made her very nervous and she was sitting on the couch and she was like, you know, she's like, I don't know if your friend is real or not, but you know, maybe you could ask for some help. And I was like, you know, that's not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. So I go downstairs, I do the little, uh, you know, a little calling upon, of course she shows up and, and this is what Sarah tells me. You know, tell her not to worry. Uh, in, in 34 minutes exactly, it will immediately cease, you know, from that point. So I went upstairs and, uh, you know, I, I, I told her, I said, no, it's, it's going to stop within, uh, within, you know, a little over half hour. And 34 minutes later on the nose, mm. it just stopped. Because she was like, oh, my God, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's beating normal, you know. So, of course, I, I tell the psychologist this and I tell her other things. So she says, OK, here here's what we're going to do. She said, you know, c- come back, you know, uh, you know, a- another time. And she said, I'm going to wear um, something very specific, you know, a very specific article of clothing on our on our next visit together. So you ask this being what that article of clothing is, write it on a piece of paper, you know, before mm-hmm. you get here, seal it in an envelope and bring it with you. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you know, let's give it a whirl. So I, uh, you know, it's the, the next week. And uh, of course I asked Sarah, okay, you know, you're, you're, uh, we're going pro now, you know, what's, What's she going to wear? You know, this is either going to make it or break it where I believe this or not. I, I shut the whole thing down. I go on pills, whatever, whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. happens next. So Sarah's response is, she says, well, you know, what she will be wearing is, um, a small cherubim necklace with, um, like a matching earrings. But she said, I'll, I'll even go further than this so that you will finally believe uh, Dr. Rosenfeld will be wearing also a white, a white button shirt and a pair of black, uh, you know, lady slacks. Mm-hmm. All right. So I write all this down, put it in the envelope. I seal it. I tape it shut. I, uh, I take it with me to the next uh, to the next appointment. And, um, it was funny too, you know, because, uh, you know, I don't know whether she meant just the necklace or what she was wearing, you know, the Dr. Rosenfeld, but she would usually, you know, 
uh, walk out into the little waiting room in the hall or peek around the, the corner and say, come on in. But this time she just opened the door and she was around the corner. I couldn't see her. And she's like, Paul, are you out there? And I was like, yeah, I'm here. And she's like, come on in. You know, do you have the envelope? I was like, yes, I do. I thought so you were going to say she was naked behind the door. <laughs> hey, man, you know, she wasn't that bad looking. But <laughs> there you go. But no, I, uh, I I walk in the office and I immediately notice that, yes, she does have a white shirt and, you know, the, the black slacks and uh I hand her the envelope. I don't, I don't see any, you know, any necklace, you know, uh, at that point. So, you know, I sit down, she sits in the ch chair across from me and, you know, opens it up and she's looking at it. And, and I still remember her, uh, her, her reaction. She just looks at it and she goes, Hmm. And she goes, well, <laughs> she goes, you, you guessed, you guessed right, you know, and she pulled out the, you know, the, uh, the necklace. I had a little cherubim on it, showed me the earrings. And she mm -hmm. goes, but then I see you also have, you know, the, the rest of my attire as well. <laughs> you know, And she's like, that's very interesting. And I, I remember her putting the, the paper down on her clipboard and she's just looking at me. And she goes, well, you know, after all this, you know, I heard your story. I've, I've, you know, listened to you. I've observed you. And now, you know, I have this. She goes. I don't think you're mentally ill. I don't think you're crazy. You know? I was like, are you, you know, you're sure you're, yes. You know, that I, I think this is something that you're actually experiencing. And I just say, you know, go with it and see where the journey leads. This is exactly what she told me. And um, so, you know, there we have uh, a professional opinion. Hmm. And, I gotcha. Uh, so let's, let's see the, um, You know, it, it was pretty much in uh, 2003 was uh, the writing of the books, but or, or the book, uh, but also my my ex-wife at the time. Um, it, it was the weirdest thing because we could just be talking, you know, watching TV. I remember uh, one night we were uh, sitting in the living room downstairs. Uh, it was near Christmas. We were talking about, you know, what we we're going to get everyone. And I saw uh, just across the room by the TV, there was this long rectangular. It looked, it looked like a, a white glowing rectangular bar just appeared by the TV. Again, like somebody turned on a light switch and there it was. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this thing kind of out of the corner of my eye. It comes right over next to my head over my left, uh, or my right shoulder, excuse me, and just, again, blinks out. Now, I didn't say anything because usually, you know, by this time I'm studying or had studied hypnosis. Uh, I was always interested in the mind. Mm -hmm. So many, many times when I would see something or hear something like the music, I wouldn't say anything. Mm -hmm. I would wait to see if others would react first before I would say, oh, do you hear that? Oh, do you hear music? I didn't want to influence anybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, previous to this, we, 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 you know, we were downstairs one time in, in my <clears> office and uh, it just seemed like it came out of the wall. It was this round white orb and it came, you know, right over my head and blinked out. You know, I didn't say anything, mm -hmm. you know, but she asked, you know, what, what the hell was that? You know, and, uh, you know, just for clarification, I was like, you know, what was what? 
yeah, that there was like this, you know, glowing ball came out of the wall. You know, the same thing with the the rectangular thing that came across the room. She was like, she was like, did you see that? What the hell was that by your head? And I was like, why? What did you see? And she was like, it was this long rectangular glowing thing. It came over from by the TV and it went right next to your head and it just it just kind of, you know, disappeared. So stuff like this happened uh, quite a bit. I mean, the phenomenon where other people were present um, were many <laughs> during during that particular visitation. Mm -hmm. Plus, uh, plus again the trip to the uh, the psychologist. So that was the one. After all that was said and done, uh, that really kind of made me look back and. Uh, say that there has to be something to this as fantastic as the story sounds even to me um how could all these other people hear these things see these things how how could i walk into a psychologist's office with a sealed envelope and hand it to her and you know write down uh before i ever got there days before my appointment uh, exactly what she was wearing unless I'm, uh, you know, having some kind of psychic phenomenon, which again, even then, uh, that's quite incredible. Uh, if, if the mind can produce, project, uh, predict, you know, all these kind of things. Did you ever try and, and have like a camera or a recording device available so that you could record uh, Sarah or these experiences? At that time, believe it or not, I did not have a camera. Mm -hmm. Didn't have a camera at all. Uh, I tried numerous times, yes, even during the experience to get uh, EVPs, mm -hmm. things, things of that nature, but uh, nothing ever, ever showed up. I've got you. So, so where, what happened next? Well, this this began, let's see, August 2003, and it ran again probably until probably around March 2004, and a lot of it was compiling uh, the book. I asked a lot of questions uh, about the universe, about her, about the world that we live in, about God, you know, a lot of religious, philosophical uh, kind of questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, which, again, I, I won't get into those uh, at the moment. Uh, if folks are interested in that sort of thing, they could uh, take a peek at the book and, and right. see the long, uh, the long lines of questionings uh, <laughs> that I had. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things that happened, and, and, and here was another one. This, this one was probably... Uh, Later in August, it was like a really hot, humid August that year. And um, I remember I got, uh, you know, I would I was walking a lot that particular uh, summer. And I remember I got like the, um, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, the, the fungus, you know, the, the itchy red you get on your feet. It was right on the tops of both of my feet. And man, I would put Lotrim in on it. I would put powder on it. And it just seemed like nothing worked. You I had athlete's on. foot. I guess so, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd put it on at night. I'd go to bed and, you know, it would just feel itchy all night long. 
And I remember one night I wake up in the middle of the night aware that, you know, I'm on my side, that, that somebody there, there's like a hand cupped under the heel of my foot, slightly elevated off the bed. And it felt like somebody kind of like rubbing their fingertips over, you know, where the, the itchy part of the foot was. And I remember laying there kind of in twilight sleep going, oh man, that feels good. And then I opened my eyes and I'm like, you know, yeah, but who the hell's doing that? You know, and I, I retracted my foot into the bed, you know, and, uh, you know, sat up, it's pitch black in the room. I couldn't see what's going on. You know, my, my, my then wife was sleeping next to me. So it, it, it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. And she, she wouldn't do something like that anyway, at least, you know, not for me. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing was when I got up the next morning and I went to the bathroom, uh, I happened to, you know, sit on the uh, the throne and I looked down at my feet and the foot that I felt like someone was like rubbing it. It was probably 98% gone, the rash, but the other one was still the same. Mm hmm. And of course, uh, you know, that was, uh, presented to me as being, uh, you know, uh, you know, coming to give relief from my feet, but of course it startled me and, you know, uh, kind of freaked me out in the night, which he didn't mean to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's what happened there. But, uh, the, the interesting thing was, uh, toward the end of this, I mean, my first marriage was like really, uh, really bad. Uh, I mean, this was someone that if someone gave this woman uh, the come on at a grocery store line at Walmart and said, hey, you want to go out to my truck after we check out and uh, do something nasty? She she would say yes. I mean, she she would do anything with anybody, anytime. Hmm. And uh, I mean, there were other issues there as well that uh, were this would have been somebody that would have been good for your couch, Stan. I'll, I'll tell you that that was uh, uh, Dorothy could tell you stories, uh, you know, that I told her that she was like, uh-huh. you know, that 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 stuff was like insane. But you know, I I tried to stick it out, and one of the reasons I tried to stick it out, of course, you know, I was, you know, very, very kind of you know religious, spiritual person, and I don't know if it's right should I, you know, get a divorce? Is this you know? And that was one of the things that I, that I actually had asked, uh, Sarah, you know, uh, because I was, I was becoming very unhappy with the marriage. Mm-hmm. I said, what would your opinion be on this? Is this something I should stick out, uh, as I'm doing, or, uh, is this something that I should exit? Uh, because it's, it's, it's starting to, this behavior starting to, uh, kind of weigh on me and this this isn't feeling like I really, what I want for the rest of my life. And uh, I expected, of course, and that was the interesting thing about the Sarah experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many times I would ask a question and I, I expected what I knew the answer would be. You know, I was 100% sure as soon as I asked certain questions, I know what the answer was going to be. But many times the answer was completely different. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was uh, almost a little shocking to me, you know, and, and uh, again, if I'm making it up, wouldn't maybe I tell myself what I want to hear, what I think I want to hear, 
uh, particularly when it comes to morals and religion. But no, I'm expecting her to say, well, you know, you got to stick it out because, you know, as religion says, what uh, God has joined together, let man, you know, not tear asunder. Mm -hmm. uh, but her response is completely different. She was like, no, this, you know, God doesn't expect anyone to stay in any situation, any relationship or marriage, you know, where uh, the person is being unfaithful, where the person is being mm -hmm. uh, very, very disrespectful. And, you know, you, you've tried on numerous occasions to uh, talk to this individual and make changes and try to make things better. And you, you've stuck in this, this union for 10 years, you know, trying to work on it. But, you know, her mind, her heart is not there. This is what she continues to want to do and will do. Mm -hmm. So if... You know, if you're feeling that this is not what you want the rest of your life on earth to be uh, hooked up to this individual, uh, you certainly would have uh, God's blessing and uh, no one, you know, in heaven or the other side is going to be angry or looking to judge you if, you know, this is something that you wanted to um, end. Hmm. And, um, I, I asked on numerous uh, occasions just, just to make sure. And uh, yeah, by uh, later that summer, the Sarah experience had uh, ceased to be, you know, the, the book was, was written in its, its first draft form. And uh, you know, the, the more I thought about it, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the leap of faith. And uh, I did it. I went and I saw a lawyer and, yeah, it was uh, it was the best uh, one of the best moves that I ever made. And the funny thing is, too, uh, one of the times I was talking to Sarah about this, she said, you know, if if this is something you decide to do and this, this is fully your choice, if you want to, you know, uh, you know, leave this this marriage, leave this situation, there is somebody much better out there waiting for you that God will lead you to this person. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it took a while, but I believe my wife now, your niece, mm -hmm. was and is that person. Oh, the, 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 you two are marvelously happy and uh, always very kind and loving to one another. That goes without saying. I mean, that that really is uh, an amazing thing. So now, was this the last time you saw Sarah then after you uh, decided to uh, have a divorce? and go through with that and writing the book was that the end of the story that was the end after uh, after 2003 uh this was probably again about mid uh latter part of march uh she made her departure and uh i have not uh, i have not had an experience since i i i felt i feel the presence now and then Mm -hmm. You know, I like I I know, I know she's still there. I know this being is still there, but you know, uh, as far as having experiences like that, I I think she was there to guide me through certain experiences or parts of my life mm -hmm. to get me where I am now, and once I was okay. I was safe. I was away from uh, crazy people, uh, 
bad partners and all that sort of thing that, you know, um, no pun intended, kind of folded her wings and said, you know, mission accomplished. Now just live your life and be happy. Now, were you ever, ever, ever able to have a proper goodbye? Where you, where you had, where you could sit down and, and like, you know, where you could bring something to closure, like to say goodbye to somebody? Yeah, we, we, we always did, particularly in, uh, in 92, uh, when she left, you know, that was the, the experience that went from November to April. And, uh, you know, at, at that time she said, uh, that at, at one point she would be back, you know, but farewell for now type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we will meet again. So, you know, it took a long time for that to happen. 10 years, you know, a decade. Uh, but she, she, uh, she did return and, uh, oh, go ahead. No, uh, when, when she left and, uh, when she departed, as you say, in 2003, uh, did she say that she would be back or that you might see her again? She did not say, you know, that she just said that, uh, you know, our, our time together at, at that point, uh, had run its course, you know, and that she would be, uh, you know, taking her, her leave at that point. And, uh, you know, just that to, to go on, live life, uh, be happy. You know, there, there's more to life than, uh, than kind of what I've been seeing, putting myself, uh, in a box, you know, with this very, mm-hmm. uh, questionable partner, uh, you know, trying to, trying to help take care of my mother, you know, which of course, you know, I, I, I did without uh, question, you know, cause she was an awesome person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my, my life was, was definitely in a little box at that point. And I think, uh, you know, that, that was kind of her message to, to go out and, and find the things that, uh, that I always wanted live, live the life that I always wanted and that, that God put me here to live. So, and I, I, I feel like I've, I've certainly done that uh, with some trial and error in the beginning. Uh, after the divorce, I mean, man, you know what a what a crazy thing the the dating world and the big wide world after that was. Mm-hmm. But uh, it all worked out to be okay. Well, that that's an, that, that's amazing when you when you look back on it now, from 1979 to 2003. Uh, what do you think uh, it was uh, in short without overcomplicating it? What's your gut feeling? What, what do you really think that entire experience was? I think now that I've had, uh, uh, like, do I think it was really an angel or is that what you're asking? Whatever you think. Actually, I didn't even want to lead you, you know, to lead you in that direction. I mean, you might think it was an imaginary friend at this point in time. You might think it really was an angel. You might really think it was an interdimensional being. Uh, you know, you have many interests in those in, in those areas, as many people do. And I, I know you have belief systems in those things. Uh, yeah, I, 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 th- what do you I think, think it was. was I think it was something, you know, I, I think it was definitely. Uh, an angelic presence. Um, mm-hmm. But the the funny thing is, is my as my spiritual education goes on, I mean, there's angelic presences that can come to us from out there, you know, uh, right from the ether somewhere. 
But then there's a school of thought in metaphysics that angels are, they are just that. Many people in metaphysics call them angel thoughts. And they say that angels are God's thoughts mm-hmm. sent, to, sent to us from the mind of the Father to help us, guide us, lead us, uh, you know, heal us, whatever it is we might need. But they're, they're emanations of divine mind sent to us, whatever their their form may be, and that they can also be uh, kind of projected from God, divine mind, to our mind. Mm-hmm. And we may get that inner guidance, that still small voice, or they may project out from our mind into the material world around us where we actually have some kind of experience or manifestation of that thought. So yeah, I think see, it w- that would be my next point because other people saw this who evidently don't, don't sound like they were people who um, were, uh, you know, having angel moments or, or things such as that. So do you think that you projected something that you projected this outward into a physical manifestation that another person could see or feel? It could be, but here's the one. Uh, I wanted to save for the last episode too. Okay. And when I was writing the book, I mean, I, I put the book on hold for a long time. I, I didn't know if I wanted to put it out. Uh, you know, I, I had uh, reasons why, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it was actually uh, uh, Dorothy who said, no, you, you need to put that out. You know, when I told her about it. You know, she she read through the draft. She she said, put it out. And uh, I, I started editing the book, you know, cutting out, you know, some of the fat and some of the ramblings or repeats. And I remember it was the little house we, we first lived in on Route 209 in Ulster County in Accord, mm-hmm. New York. I was on the couch and, you know, I, I was revamping and I, I started writing this book. Uh, this uh, intro to the book going back to my childhood uh remember being the baby in the crib uh feeling like uh this memory though i couldn't put it into words that we all came from somebody somewhere else and i missed that somewhere else it was my real home and uh, i i grew up with that feeling and uh if my mother was alive, my brother could tell you, you know, I don't know if my father would remember because he has a, a mind like a sieve when it comes to uh, uh, you know, anything that we ever really talked to him about. Mm-hmm. But I would ask my, I would ask my parents about this for years. And uh, what I asked them about and what I what I wrote in the book. And when I wrote this, I finally had it was like this realization I never realized before. I, I had like goosebumps on goosebumps. I was like, oh my God, you know, I can't even believe I never connected these, these dots. And the thing was, I, w- I was about two years old and of all nights, it was Christmas Eve. And that's, that's an odd one too, because always showing up, Sarah, always showing up around Christmas time, you know, uh, Mm-hmm. departing possibly to this crystal city on Christmas Eve, but it's Christmas Eve. I'm two years old where my parents used to live. It was this little green house and my grandmother lived. I mean, you walked out of our front door, you 
walked for maybe 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. And there, there was my grandmother's house, her front door. Mm-hmm. So we were down at my grandmother's house uh, and they were making the cookies and the pies, you know, was, was usually the, uh, the tradition uh, for the family back then for many years. And uh, my grandmother had this little brown couch and I remember sitting on the couch in the living room and my father wasn't there. And I remember my mother saying that he had to work, you know, he would, he would be home in a little while. Mm-hmm. And uh, he finally came in, you know, it was dark. He finally came in and he was helping in the kitchen and then coming out in the living room and talking to my grandfather. And uh, I remember I was starting to feel a little sleepy and uh, my mother came out of the kitchen and she looked at me and she told my father, she said, why don't you, uh, why don't you take him up and put him to bed? You know, he looks like he's getting tired and I'll, uh, you know, I'm going to finish these last couple of pies uh, and, and then I'll be up. So, you know, they put my coat on, my father picks me up and he, you know, starts carrying me up to the house. You know, we walk out of my grandmother's front door mm-hmm. and I remember when we walked out of the front door, it was like, and, and there was snow on the ground. It was cold. There, there was snow. And it looked like a winter wonderland. I mean, there were lights everywhere. Icicle lights hanging off the front of my grandmother's porch. Lighted candy canes, you know, in the yard, in the snow. You know, all these decorations, mm-hmm. lights on the trees. And there were little candles lining the way from my grandmother's front porch all the way up to our front door and i'm looking over my father's shoulder as he's carrying me and i'm thinking wow you know this must be why he didn't you know come in till so late he was out here doing all this you know (laughs) it was like wow and i you know we're walking and i i look over to the left and there's this old like old fashioned looking street light, you know, one that they would put like a candle or a kerosene. Sure. Lamp yes. Lamp. And it, it looked like something out of a, an old, you know, a Christmas movie set in the old day days yeah. it had the, the green, you know, uh, garland wrapped around it with the big red bow. Mm-hmm. And as we walked past it and I didn't remember ever seeing this lamp there before. Uh, but I, I remember looking at it. And out of the shadows next to the lamp steps this woman. And she had on a a black, it looked like a black or dark brown kind of trench coat that came just above her knees. And she had long blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail. And as we walk by, she steps out of the shadows and she's looking at me, looking at her over my father's shoulder. And she just smiles at me as we pass by and she says, Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, I'm trying to wrap my mind around who is it? Who, who is she? Now there's no other houses around. It couldn't have been a neighbor. I... You know, there's nobody. And my father doesn't acknowledge her. He just keeps walking, you know, but she's looking at me. She says, Merry Christmas. And I'm, you know, there was a family friend. Her name was Madeline, but everybody called her Toots. Um, I don't know why, but that's what they called her. 
And that's what I knew her as toots. <laughs> so I'm looking at this woman and I'm thinking, is it toots? You know, and, and, and she had a, a roommate uh, who her, an older lady, her name was Jane. And I'm thinking did Jane and toots come up for, you know, for Christmas. And I'm looking at her, but then I'm thinking, but, but toots has black hair. This woman's hair is, you know, has, uh, you know, very light colored hair, blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we just walked past her up through the little candlelight path to the front door. My father takes me in, puts me to bed. And, um, I remember asking my parents years after that, you know, when we lived in that little greenhouse, did you guys ever put up, you know, all these elaborate outside? And they always said, no, we never, you know, no we never way. Had any, we, we never had anything like that. You know, we just had the tree inside and, you know, maybe a couple of stockings, but, but that was it. You know, we, we never put anything outside. And, um, and that's when I was writing the intro and I was writing that when, you know, to the book and I was writing these experiences that when I was a kid and I happened to remember that one and I put it in the book and when I wrote the description and I'm looking at this woman, it just kind of dawned on me. I was like, holy crap. Was that Sarah then? It, as I recall, the, the best I could see the facial features, you know, in, in the dark with the, you know, the illumination of these decorations that weren't there, you know, it certainly kind of looked like her. Um, but that one true story, I remember it like it was yesterday. I asked my parents about it for many, many years to try to see, you know, you guys, are you guys punking me, you know, with this, you're always saying, no, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, uh, that one made me think if, if that was her, when I was two years old and I had no reference point or thought of angels or God or Mm -hmm. anything like that, um, then I would say, yeah, this probably wasn't just some emanation of my mind. It It would probably be more apt to be an outside entity or being that's coming to me from some other time, space, reality, dimension. I've got you. But, you know, that one, you know, it it could be, you know, it it, it could have been her then. It, it certainly uh, was something, like I said, when I, I, I wrote it and I remember I was like, wow, you know, it, it just blew my mind that I never, I never connected that dot until that moment. Well, that certainly is fascinating. And we're about at the end of our time for the show. And, um, is there any other concluding, uh, part of the story, Paul, that you feel that you need to, uh, uh, to, to throw in here, uh, you know, briefly, because, uh, you have your book that's available to people. If they've been fascinated by this story, like I certainly have been, uh, I, this is the longest version I've heard of it and it's uh, pretty comprehensive, but there's much more in your book about Sarah, much more of your speculations about that, much more of the stories and, all the other kinds of things related to this. Is there anything uh, else, or do you think we're at a point where um, the story has been told? Well, I think we're at a point. I think the story's been told. I mean, there, there are certainly other uh, fantastical things in there that would make a person go, hmm, 
you know, it certainly did me, but I, I wanted to touch the highlights, uh, Absolutely. you know, some of my experiences, but also really talk about after all those years and the, the first two episodes, just always doubting myself, you know, what was it? Was it anything, you know, how 2003 was just such a spectacular display of everything, you know, just mm -hmm. everything in a freaking nutshell. It was, it was really crazy. You know, if, if I didn't live it, uh, I wouldn't believe it myself. Some, sometimes I look back on it and it feels like it was a dream, but it happened, you know, it definitely happened. And, you know, that's the wonderful thing about doing a show like this, uh, the people under the stairs, when you let people tell their story in a respectful manner and you ask skeptical questions. Uh, and I don't mean skeptical in a negative way. Skeptical questions mean the things that anybody would ask and say, what makes that so? And uh, the good thing about a show like this, and I hope the entertaining thing to our audience, Paul, is when you're listening to this out there, you know, who, who's ever listening to the show and, and we have plenty of um, uh, listeners to this podcast. Thanks. Goodness, uh, thank goodness. Uh, what do you think? Uh, and and this, this is to the viewing, uh, uh, rather to the listening audience. What do you think about the, uh, the tale that you've heard now for, for three shows, a trilogy of stories about angels, aliens, UFOs, and, and more? Do you think this is um, a delusion? Do you think that this is um, uh, some version of, um, of an imaginary friend? Do you think this is some version of which Is this some version of uh, maybe of self-hypnosis? Uh, or is this uh, an angelic visit? Is this, uh, you know, could this truly be some type of entity from uh, another planet, another, you know, uh, uh, you know, something extraterrestrial? Or is this something uh, that's more along the cosmic uh, lines of, you know, some type of entity that is um, ever present or interdimensional? You know? Uh, you know, is this, uh, you know, something that's inspired by a divine presence and manifests itself, you know, through a thought from this divine presence to the person and then, you know, becomes uh, be, uh, um, when they become aware of it becomes reality or other interpretations you may have. I think uh, for me personally, after listening to all three parts, I think each person has to weigh the evidence has to weigh the circumstantial evidence. They have to weigh whether the story is compelling, whether it's robust, whether it's believable. And then you have to make your own decision. The same way that if you have an EVP device, you know, when, you, when you're listening to electronic voice phenomenon and you hear somebody, uh, you hear a certain sound, one person may clearly hear a word and another person just doesn't seem to hear it the same way. So uh, what an entertaining story, what an enlightening story. Uh, and uh, for me personally, I think on behalf of all the people listening, thank you, Paul, for taking um, uh, three hours and more in a really measured, uh, intelligent way and sharing a fascinating story. Hey, my, my pleasure. I think it's a fascinating story <laughs> myself. And, yeah. uh, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. You know, 
people could believe it and not believe it. It's it's not going to hurt my feelings. It's not going to uh, change the history of things that uh, you know I, I witnessed and and other people witnessed around me that right. certainly per- certainly perplexed me. And mm-hmm. like I said, I I still look back and say, geez, you know, I that, that there's a part of me that, that that still doesn't believe it, even though all of that happened. You know, right. But uh, yeah, everybody's got their own uh, got their own opinion, and that's that's fine. I'm I'm certainly not uh, here to push anything on anybody. Uh, the only thing that I will say is, I am confident we're not alone in this universe and in this world. And when you tap into those presences around you that we call the angels or the presence of God, it's. It's a feeling and it's an experience and a love that you just can't find anywhere else. It's, mm-hmm. it's not something that I would trade for all the money in the world. It's, it's, it's that precious to me. And I always say I wish everybody in the world for five minutes could experience that kind of love or that kind of energy of love that I had in the presence of that being. Because I think if they did, once you get that little taste of it, it's it's just something if you're any, I, I think, normal functioning individual, you want more because you realize this is something that is so far beyond anything this world could offer I, I think it would change the world practically overnight that we would treat one another better. We would have a higher ideal of God instead of this vengeful man of war that some religions and cultures shape him into. And uh, I do, I, I, especially this time of year, is something that I wish everybody could just experience for five minutes. Well, that's, that's a, a very profound thought. For folks who want to get a copy of the book, Paul, uh, I know you've mentioned it on other shows. Uh, you know, how can people get a copy of this book, and what's the book called? It's called "An Angel Came Down" by Paul James Caden or P.J. Caden. You can get it on, I think, Goodreads and I and Amazon. Definitely the paperback and the Kindle version. The Kindle version is only, uh, I think, two ninety nine. So it's, uh, I think, it's definitely worth a read and a perusal if you're interested in this type of thing. Well, that's great. And if, uh, if uh, Paul, you know, for, if for a new viewer who might be listening to the show, uh, what other shows do you do and, and how can people get in touch with you? I have the spirit side, which, uh, as you know, on your birthday, our producer informed me that I was in the top 30 in the Netherlands and a couple other places, I think yeah. three different countries. So thanks that's to cool. those uh, those folks if you're listening uh, so the name of that show is the spirit side and it deals with a lot of paranormal spirituality just uh, even weird things that happen in the news and our government conspiracy theories but kind of with uh, the more I try to put more of a balanced logical twist on things rather than uh, go in uh, guns a blazing like some people yeah man they're gonna they're gonna kill us all type of deal <laughs> But uh, very interesting show. People seem to uh, to enjoy it. And uh, they could also email me at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com or just put in Paul James Caden or Paul James Caden, the spirit side, 
And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I'm out there. Well, that's great. And uh, again, my name is, if you're uh, tuning in for the first time, my name is Stan Wangland. I also have another show called Just Thinking with Stan Wangland. Uh, and uh, I think I'm closing in on my 300th episode. Can you believe that? It's wow. uh, amazing. Uh, it's a wonderful show. Uh, it's a little bit different than the, well, it's a lot different than the people under the steers. The, we don't really, or I don't get into uh, really too much on the paranormal, although every once in a while. Uh, with, with things uh, that have to do with that. But it's all the kinds of things that are trending in the news or trending in my mind uh, is I hopefully am an interesting person. And uh, I, you know, will throw it out and do a show. I'm not a, uh, that show, by the way, is, um, is not uh, guest driven. It's basically topic driven. So it's, uh, you get a chance to talk um, uh, along or listen uh, along with me to what I'm thinking about for somewhere between about 15 or 20 20 some odd minutes. It's kept to be a little bit on the shorter side on some very interesting subjects. Uh, this week I had two really uh, nice new ones to take a minute. One was on a new trend in the world of solo dining and drinking. <laughs> by I design. saw that. It, it, amazing. Only followed by tomorrow's show, which hasn't come out yet, called, and I mean, for those of you who don't know, I'm a psychology professor with SUNY, and I teach online courses at this point in time because I'm retired, you know, from my full-time job. And, uh, I taught child and adolescent development for probably, oh, 15, close to 20 years. And, uh, there was a new one for me where people are now, it's called baby nups where people are making, uh, <laughs> they're thinking about having a baby. They develop prenuptial agreements on how they're going to raise their children, what the chores are for mom and dad. <laughs> And uh, as I'm glad to hear Paul laughing because most of my shows now, I mean, I do a lot of political shows, but I try and lay off that a little bit. <laughs> There's enough divisiveness in the world. But the damn truth is stranger than fiction. Oh, it is. And whether it's solo dining, which is so popular in, in certain Asian uh, in, in Asian countries, um, and now it's becoming popular in America, or crazy things in my mind like uh, baby prenuptial agreements, even though it makes sense in some areas. Uh, it, you know, there, there could be stories like the, the fact in Japan that people are renting cars left and right, but don't put any mileage on them. They just want to sit in the car. <laughs> Sexless marriages in, in Asia and Korea, that's the norm. And um, uh, people falling in love with replica automatons of themselves. If you like that kind of stuff, as well as uh, wonderful sports things like on Tom Brady or movie reviews, then I might be your guy uh, to give <laughs> comical and uh, hopefully a little bit of scientific uh, point of view on things. Something you see all that you see all that crazy crap that people are doing and that's going on in our world. This is why people need angels. <laughs> I, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> So, you know, the paranormal isn't as strange as you might think. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, uh, you, you listen to my show on, uh, if you go back and listen to the Augusta poltergeist experience that I had, and if you ask the Augusta, Georgia Police Department, the six weekends they spent with me, they tell you there's, there could be strange things out there. So I still, want to, I, still, I, I still want to have you on my show to talk about that to the I, uh, I would, I would love to audience. 
I would love to. And I, I'm a peaceful guy. But I, when I used to walk my dog after that one, I had two pistols on me. <laughs> I'm too. being serious. <laughs> a 357 Colt Python and a, a 38 Ruger, you know, tucked in the back, small on my back or on my uh, my ankle. It was that scary. It was that scary to the police department too. Uh, and uh, but the, you you could listen to the show, and I'll, I'll I'll be glad to do another show on Paul. So, uh, you know, and I'm a psychologist. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, that you know, you can never tell. That's why we try and treat everybody's story as fantastic as they sound with absolute respect. This is not a show. This isn't the Jerry Springer show. We're not here to uh, try and humiliate anybody and uh, put the burden of proof on them to have pictures and everything else. Here, it's presumed that you know you're telling the truth. This is what you experienced, whether you know it happened or not. This is what you recall. And uh, I think that's a great way to go. But if you like um, the stuff I was talking about before, take a listen to Just uh, Thinking. You know, there's a wide variety of topics there. And you can reach me on Facebook at Stanley Wangland, Twitter, Stanley Wangland, or S Wangland, S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D at uh, gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. The uh, audiences are absolutely fantastic. So with that, uh, I think... uh, I'm going to say good night to all. And uh, unless Paul has something that he wants to say extra, I think we'll, we can kind of end it right here. What do you think, Paul? I think so. I just want to say thanks for listening. Good night. God bless. And always remember if I'm crazy, Stan's crazy too. <laughs> I'm crazier than you. That's for sure. <laughs> that's true. We'll catch you later guys. And, and to second what Paul said, God bless to be sure you have a good holiday season okay be safe out there we'll catch you on the next episode this coming week thank you for listening to this episode of the people under the stairs if you would like to reach out to the host of this show please feel free to email paul at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com that's nocturnalmagic at gmail.com and if you would like to reach out to stan please feel free to go over to his twitter page and give him a follow at S. Wangland. That's at S W A N G L U N D. Or feel free to email him at S Wangland at gmail.com. That's at S Wangland at gmail.com. And please continue to check out all the new episodes of The People Under the Stairs every Wednesday and every Sunday on the Reality Check Podcast Network. Did you really think it was just guys that like to discuss and analyze wrestling? I'm here to tell you there's a new chick in town. My name is Sunny Salem, and I am the host of That's What She Said. Get a female perspective of all the ins and outs of the wrestling business today. But don't worry, this isn't no prissy princess show. I hold nothing back. Check out That's What She Said on all major streaming platforms. What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namaga Madoff versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets.